Kills Live, the show that never lunges at our Lyft driver if he refuses to take us to the bad place. I'm Liz Winstead, joined by my co-host, Marie Khan. Hello, folks. And Moji Albodale. Hey, coming up on today's show, we are a week out from the road decision. Clinics are closing all over the country, and so are the support funds. We'll update you on the states that have closed their doors and why so many crucial abortion funds are having to pause services also. It is heartbreaking. And allies are stepping up to help, like way up, like 10,000 feet in the air up. We are talking to Mike Bonanza, pilot and founder of Elevated Access, about a community of pilots providing free air travel for patients needing not only abortion access, but also gender affirming care. Plus, part two of our amazing conversation with actor, singer, abortion stan and newly arrested person yesterday in D.C., Busy Phillips. She is not backing down. Oh, what a week. All right. You guys were a week out from this decision. Um, I'd love to know how y'all are doing, especially you, Marie, in the wake of what you do um, with practical support and helping folks get care. Uh, how's it been? So now being a week from when Roe was dismantled, Liz, the first state you're seeing a lot of impact with immediately is Wisconsin, because that's a state whose ban took immediate effect. So you had folks in their waiting room at 9.20 Central Time, and then the decision came down 10.20 Eastern Time. So all those folks that were there weren't able to get care. So they have to they have to go to a different space. And for Wisconsin in particular, that's coming down to Illinois, that's looking um, at Minnesota, that's maybe looking at Michigan. So we're seeing, we're seeing these immediate bans are hurting places like Wisconsin, their communities who immediately have to leave the state. Wow. And and just to be clear, Wisconsin doesn't have a trigger ban. The reason that happened is because they have a 130-year-old ban on the books. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That pre-Civil War ban that people, and we'll get to this later in the show, people in the state have different viewpoints on what that ban means. But right now it means no one is accessing abortion care. The clinics aren't open. Ah, uh, just what the founders would have wanted. Just what the founders would have wanted. Well, I think people really are looking to us this week to find out as many updates as we can give them about what is open, what is closed, why clinics are closing, all of that stuff. So Moj, why don't you just let, let's dive in and let you lay out um, for people like where we're at and and give people some updates. I love that you asked, you said why, as though the why isn't that Supreme Court is oh, yeah. trash. Why? <laughs> why? The Supreme Court is trash. But in the fallout of the Dobbs decision last week, abortion access in states is shifting literally minute by minute. A bunch of states closed down, a bunch closed down, then judges reopened them. Guys, I don't, I didn't ever think we'd celebrate uh, the six week abortion access ban in Texas, but uh, last week has been a doozy. And here we are excited that Texas has six weeks of abortion access. Okay. So <laughs> let's just say right off the bat that we are recording our podcast Thursday night for a Friday drop at 5.11. Um, this is information that's accurate as of Thursday at 5.11. Um, <laughs> any updates we will put in the show notes for new clinics that have opened or things that have closed. So Moj, like, where are we at? All right. So Alabama, Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma, 
and South Dakota are fully illegal, no abortion access anywhere ever, and no thoughts of it coming anywhere soon. South Dakota actually has no provider because the Planned Parenthood closed a little before the decision. Um, and there have narrow exceptions. Okay, so those are the states where they're illegal. Now let's talk about states where it was illegal for a hot second, but then people filed lawsuits and judges were issuing TROs to- Ding, 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 ding. Hold up. What's yeah. a TRO? So a TRO is a temporary restraining order. And what that means is people will file with a judge to say, hey, can you put a temporary stop on this law until it gets figured out um, more clearly by the courts? And so the good news is a bunch of states filed these TROs, temporary restraining orders, and abortion is back up and running. Sometimes it's only for two weeks and it might just go away after the judges hear it in those states. But Let's talk about the states that have abortion up and running right now under a temporary restraining order. So today, Thursday the 30th, uh, Kentucky was just issued the first TRO for two weeks. Also, Texas has one for abortions up to six weeks. Um, Louisiana has a TRO. Mississippi um, has a TRO um, because of a trigger ban and a pre-row ban on the books. And Wisconsin has also filed for a TRO on a pre-row ban today, the one that stopped care in Wisconsin that Marie But I want to be about. clear that Mississippi and Wisconsin have filed. They have not yes. been granted. Yeah. Yes. So that's those are the really big distinctions. So the TROs that have been granted are in Kentucky, Texas, Louisiana. Uh, the ones that have been filed and we're waiting to hear are Mississippi and Wisconsin. Um, and it's like, holy moly, Rocky. Um, it feels really confusing. And what's happening now is that people are introducing shit laws on top of shit laws. Like Missouri just introduced a law that was like, you can't have, um, if you have an ectopic pregnancy, you can't have an abortion and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, it's an example of people overreacting in Missouri. Yes. Yes. So with legislation that came through, um, Liz, you're referring to the St. Luke's hospital system, which that sounds real secular to you, right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Fully. They, they decided when Roe was brought down last Friday that they that meant they couldn't provide emergency contraception. So Do they not know how emergency contraception works. Apparently they don't. God help them. Plan B, morning after pill, whatever they want to call it. So they conflated that with abortion, which we know it's not. And thankfully, this last week um, on Tuesday, people with more sense reversed this and said, no, Missouri, you are able to get the morning after pill. But this just really shows the very cruel ways folks are using this to confuse people on the law and not just prevent abortion, but other other care that you need. Well, and I think that hospital only provided for rape cases, right? Because they're a Catholic yeah. hospital. Yeah. And so just yep. cutting off the, the, the people who were sexually assaulted. Right. You know, no, no for you. Right. Over and a I'll, weekend. They literally did that over a weekend. And right. also like Montana Planned Parenthood, these, these, these clinics are doing some preemptive bullshit that is not cool. The, the Montana Planned Parenthood has decided they're going to deny care to somebody traveling to their state to get care. If that state that they're traveling from is one of these trigger states or is a hostile state towards abortion, they're going to force people to show a state ID. Like what kind of garbage? Which is, is so wild. It's like, oh, you left that state because you can't get care in that state. And then you show up and they're like, oh, we can't help you because you can't get the same care where you live. It makes no sense. Yeah. It makes no sense, you know, and it's really a problem because not only um, 
you know, to pause, to pause, to help people who are going to be coming to your state because there's nowhere to go is unconscionable. But one thing that's been really heartbreaking also along with this reports of clinics closing is that abortion funds and practical support funds that are in states that have these bounty hunting laws um, are having to pause services because they've got to figure out what their legal ramifications are as far as being able to fund people and do all that stuff. So it is really, we are in a bind. We are in a, it's, it's so profound and moving so fast that I feel really um, I'm glad that we have this podcast and also always follow us on social media. I just want to say that right now, because we keep up to date when these things happen. So waiting a week between podcasts is crucial. Um, but also just like Moj, give the clinic tally of yeah. where we're at. Yeah. I wanted to close out the section just saying in the U.S. right now, as of again, Thursday, the 30th of June, there are 634 clinics left open in this country and half of them are in New York, California and Illinois. That means 300 clinics are servicing the other less than 47 states. Yeah. And it feels so... Um, plus you have Guam and you have all of the, um, you know, the territories. Too, right? yes. So one resource we've talked about a lot, and we're going to mention constantly on our, our podcast is where they are keeping the most up-to-date places where you can access abortion care through telehealth, through clinics. And it's, it's a website called I need an a.com. And at I need an a, they are working 24 seven to update their website so that you can get the most up to the minute accurate information about where abortion is available near you. So do that. And, you know, it's, it's like in, in the Missouri case, you know, they just keep piling on more garbage laws and piling on more garbage laws. And that's just not enough for them. The thirst for perpetual oppression is forever unquenched. And saying that is an understatement, but Texas not to be conquered in the battle of the bullshit, their attorney general, Ken Paxton, has declared not only is he going to enforce the shit laws in any way he can, he wants to enforce every shit law that the state has ever passed and that remains on the books and do it retroactively, literally going back in time and just prosecuting people for its insanity. He cited five different Texas state laws from 1925 that criminalize anyone who knowingly receives an abortion or provides an abortion, targeting anyone who attempts but fails to obtain an abortion, or if someone were to die during an abortion, the provider could be tried with her murder. And so the second he made this announcement, all abortion funds and clinics halted service instantly. Now, the good news about this is there seems to be a judge left in Texas who was like, bitch, take several seats and put a temporary restraining order. Hello, we learned that um, on this King George foolishness. By allowing, and this is so sad, as Moji said, that we are actually considering it a victory, abortions can be performed up until six weeks of pregnancy in Texas. The whiplash, y'all, of this week and of this whole pod um, is just too much. <laughs> also, <clears throat> I just as you like were going through those, I was like, who, who's dying of abortion? Who's dying? It's I mean, there's a, a rare case. Everybody dies. Uh, of something, sure. But uh, 
abortion yeah, no, is like there's like no complications <laughs> but will they find a connection somehow it feels just like they're doing the worst and um it's not only the state as marie said it's wisconsin there is law there are states all over the country that have these zombie laws that they're called on the books um and that just there's a lot of debate as whether or not they can go in effect if they're outdated and it's it feels like we're just in a an abyss of ugliness. And so because of this ugliness abyss, the good news is there's some good people that are fighting pretty hard. And Maria is going to bring us some victories this week and we are going to celebrate them because we deserve victories. Yes, we do. In honor of our mental health, I'm here to mention some bright spots. We have a few states with attorneys generals who are pledging not to prosecute folks for abortion. There is a large brief that over 20 attorney generals have signed onto, and that includes Wisconsin AG Josh Call, who's suing the state over their pre-Civil War ban from 1849. And uh, we talked about how that state we're waiting on a TRO for. Then we've also got Pennsylvania's AG Josh Shapiro who at the same time is running for governor and has pledged to protect state abortion access. We've got our own Letitia James. So we at least, we have folks in Moji, you mentioned states where we also see more clinics existing still. Like thankfully we have these people in those positions. And then we're also seeing Department of Justice, which isn't a state, but hey, at least they're they're maybe going to be a little bit reasonable in this time. They're not prosecuting pregnant folks, they're saying. Merrick Garland, the U.S. Attorney General, when Roe came down, immediately issued a department-wide brief to support reproductive rights and, and went on to like acknowledge the FACE Act and other, other areas that we know we need clinic protections to be maintained. And we are seeing some district attorney folks step up, which is basically citywide, pledging not to go after folks in a public letter. But that also doesn't mean, as we know, that someone's safe from states pursuing them or people going to get hospital care at ERs that aren't in safe settings. But um, these cities include Austin, Dallas, San Antonio, Milwaukee, Nashville, and Birmingham. So at the state level, at least we're seeing the trend of people rising up. And we also should mention that California is not only uh, welcoming people, but also helping financially. Uh, mm-hmm. Tax dollars in California are going to help folks financially who need to travel to California, as well as here in New York State. The governor has also pledged that we will be helping folks get care. And also we will help financially with folks getting that care. So um, that feels really good. I also wanted to bring up a bright spot. Um, Jewish faith leaders in Florida are um, are basically have been mounting a campaign, I think a legal a legal challenge yeah. to the state's 15 week ban, saying that it violates uh, Jewish their religious freedom. religious freedom. And also um, there is a TRO on Florida's 15 week ban because it violates the right to privacy, i.e. the Florida Constitution. So actually, the 15 week ban that DeSantis passed a couple months ago is illegal in Florida, which is wild and apparently legal in Mississippi. See, this is why shit's wrong. If we are the United States of America, we're not something be right. How can something be legal, a medical procedure be legal in one state and not in another? I really don't understand it. But I think I'm very excited about um, uh, faiths challenging these laws um, that do not adhere with the values of their faith. I think that's a really interesting way to go. And I just feel like that we have a lot of folks who are thinking of new ways to challenge these laws. Um, President Biden, we should mention, uh, just 
today. I mean, we should, I know, calm down. Do we have to? I mean, I know. I have to, yes, today I have to. Because he um, he brought uh, something that isn't going to happen, but at least he said he is going to challenge the Senate to carve out an exemption to codify Roe v. Wade in the filibuster rules. So if all of the concerned trolls like Susan Collins and Joe Manchin and Lisa Murkowski, who felt they were lied to. And everyone's uh, favorite cinema. Yeah. Wanted, and yeah, Chris and cinema who all claim, except for Joe Manchin, to be pro-choice. Um, they could actually codify Roe v. Wade with a vote uh, if they chose to do so. If they choose not to do so, Please did he heed that as um, that they are the hottest of garbage. Uh, and that is that. But I want to continue this good news that because we have a guest who is a private citizen who has taken it up upon himself. He assessed his privilege and the and the things that he had in his life and and figured out a way that he could make them work for good to help abortion access. Uh, Marie, let's bring our guest up. Yes, joining us is Mike, the executive director of Elevated Access, a nonprofit network of volunteer pilots working to fly patients to gender affirming care and abortion services that may not be available in their state. Welcome, Mike. All righty, Mike. It's so great to have you joining us. Right off the bat, I want to ask what prompted you from going from being a guy with a plane to starting <laughs> Elevated Access? Sure. Uh, so really the biggest part of that that um, made that happen was last spring, I was going through an anti-racism workshop and that was full of white people trying to you know, break down our whiteness and figure out how we all play roles in white supremacy, even if we don't use the N-word or anything like that. And uh, is that a thing? Who yeah. has never heard of that? Really? Yeah. You haven't yeah. heard of that? Oh, are you not on TikTok, Liz? I, I, I didn't know. I, I'm going to yeah. read up on this white supremacy. Yeah. Yeah. We all have a role. So, yeah. The, um, so I was doing some self reading with that and I came across an article that was talking about how white supremacy and systemic racism are really built into the anti abortion movement and people's inability to access abortion. And as a pilot looking for a way to work on social justice issues, um, it was kind of like aha moment um, that made me want to get into it. So yeah, that's where it started. That's incredible, Mike. Um, so who are the people that Elevated Access are here to support in a company? Uh, I hear you guys just celebrated your first client transport with Midwest Woo! Access Coalition. Do <laughs> the fireworks. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. So you know, one of the things that's really important to me is looking to the people that have been doing this work for years already. Uh, that's why rather than when I had that realization about uh, racism and, and abortion access, I didn't just immediately put myself out there to say, hey, I'm giving people rides that need access to abortion. It started out with volunteering for, for Midwest Access Coalition for a year doing IT work. And in that, I was open and upfront that not only am I volunteering to do IT work, I'm here to learn about how abortion access works and how potentially pilots could help people get to abortion safely and freely and with a lot less hassle and a lot less, a lot faster. And what we learned actually is there's a lot of opportunity even before uh, 
D-Day on Friday, there was a lot of opportunity to help people access abortion. Um, so for example, for somebody who maybe has small children at home or even just kids at all, can't get away for an overnight trip to maybe a clinic that's further away, or for somebody that's working multiple jobs and, and has a hard time getting away for, for a day or two, uh, we are able to get somebody moved pretty quickly. So like in this example we just did, uh, we took somebody that would have been a 10 hour drive and probably a round trip and probably overnight stay in a hotel room. We were able to uh, meet them at the airport and get them back home that they were door to door from their home and back home again in, from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the same day. And so, yeah, she was able to get back to her kids, you know, not have to worry about too much work hassle. I mean, obviously still had to take the day out of her life to do that, but a lot better than a two day or three day affair. So how, I, I can't imagine that it's, it's logistical that like you would, and maybe it is, and I don't know, but like that you would just be on a website and that like, I need an abortion. I'm looking around. How do I get there? I find elevated access. Um, can people access you directly or do people access you through other organizations? Right. Similar to how I started the organization of looking to people who have already been working in the space. We're not trying to recreate anything that already exists. And so since the practical support organizations like Midwest Access Coalition, Access RJ, you know, all the all the organizations that are out there have already been providing people assistance with lifts and bus tickets, train tickets, hotel rooms. We're leaving that part of the of the work uh, to them because they have the expertise, they know the tricks of how to get those systems to work. And because of that, we're having people go through those organizations because we're, we're not going to know how best to talk to somebody about whether flying with one of our pilots is the best way for them to get access to their abortion. And so we really want to make sure that we lean on the experts that have been doing this work for so many years already to figure that out for somebody and work together with them to provide them sort of that holistic approach, as opposed to us just being out here as pilots taking random people uh, to do that. In fact, I even just had somebody call up, call us a little bit ago. Um, they had some sort of mixed up with their appointment and they called, called me to see if they could fly with one of our pilots. And I said, I think we can uh, do that on that date, but what I need you to do is contact Midwest Access Coalition first and they'll work you through that process. And if it's, uh, if it seems right to them too, that you'll fly with us, they'll put you back in contact and we'll go from there. And how do you train your pilots to know how to speak with like competency and, and, and with respect to patients? Like how do they learn right. how to do that? Well, really that, that starts first with our vetting process. And so when, when pilots apply, they have to submit uh, not only their pilot credentials so that we can make sure that they're actually a legit pilot. Uh, they also have to submit some things that we can check on their background to make sure that they're actually in support of our mission. Um, the thing that we're doing in addition to that is that I really wanted to make this a very human-centered activity uh, so that we're really serving the people that are, are out here trying to travel just to access their health care. And so we're working on some additional training with some uh, social workers that I know in my community that uh, we're going to essentially baseline all of our pilots to help them have a better chance of knowing how to read somebody to understand that they want to talk, they want to be quiet, they want to be distracted. Uh, if they start talking about their abortion or their 
the gender affirming care they're traveling to access because we're also doing that is you know the right language to use the the things that are going to make them feel supported make them feel safe because really the the nightmare scenario for me is besides somebody trying to infiltrate our, our operation our nightmare scenario would be any passenger that just didn't have a good experience with our pilots and so i want to really prepare our pilots to be as supportive as possible wow it just sounds like so incredible it really does sound incredible and i um it's funny because i'm like oh wow this seems like it could be terrifying for a patient but um I mean, it seems it sounds like you're trying to have safeguards for that what does this cost a patient like who's paying for this flying business yeah. um perhaps to the benefit of of the passengers and the practical support organizations from the FAA's rules perspective, we can't charge a dime for this, even if I don't know that we would, even if we could, but we actually can't from a regulation perspective charge anything for this. So the pilot themselves, not even elevated access, pays completely for that trip. They pay for the airplane rental. If they're renting an airplane, they pay for the fuel. If there's any landing fees at the airport they're going to, they pay for all of that. Um, since we are a 501c3, uh, the pilots can do a tax deduction for that if they want to put it do it, put it in with their taxes. But also, we're, we have paperwork pending with the FAA that with the money we're raising that we're hoping to be able to do reimbursements to pilots for those expenses too. Because as you can imagine, it's not cheap to fly. And for somebody like me who has more time than I do money, um, I might be able to do six or seven flights in a month if my costs are reimbursed versus, say, two or three. And so if you think about that across the now 600 plus interested pilots we have, that would really amplify our ability to, to get more people to their abortion. That's so great. You know, I wanted to, um, I know you're going to jump in on a sec, Marie, but one thing I was thinking about is, you know, we're looking now at, um, <laughs> at ways to, once you fly in the air, like, are you in domestic air? Can people have abortions on a plane? Um, that's a good question. You know, that's, that's <laughs> nobody's asked that one yet. And I've heard people talking about, you know, could we take a, a, a ship out past the international or the, you know, the, the boundary waters and, and go out there and nobody's asked that. I think there was even a movie about, about like a crime syndicate that did stuff like that. And of course it was completely farcical, right. but nobody's asked that question yet. And uh, obviously it would take a much bigger airplane than any of our pilots use. It would take a airliner size airplane to do that. There are groups out there that do eye care and I believe even like um, some other treatments uh, airborne. But as you can imagine, you hit one pocket of turbulence. That's not what you want when you're trying to do that. So yeah, but a medication know. abortion is just a pill. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm not trying to get you into any trouble. No. I was just like thinking <laughs> as you're in the air, it's like, oh, at what point does it become international air, like well, international waters? And like, how does that play out? And what is the sky? Yeah. And what are things? I have no idea anymore. Well, here, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a fun fact is that from a U.S. federal law perspective, the FAA has full authority over all airspace in the United States. And that doesn't mean at 500 feet, 1,000 feet or whatever. Literally, when you are off the ground, not touching the ground, the FAA is who has authority. It's federal law that has a supremacy in that. And so theoretically. So you can hover above something? You could get a jetpack? You could get a yeah. drone? Yeah, 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 you can get a jetpack. You could be running. Are you taking a pill? Oh my God, this is like, this is all new. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like if you're above the ground and the FAA says it's federal land, yeah. federal air. Yeah. Oh my God, you we didn't glide. Can you imagine glider abortions? Glider abortions. Like you take a pill <laughs> wow. while you're gliding. 
This is what? next level. Oh my gosh. You're just opening her eyes in so many ways. I get, can't get even some, take it. Get some of those athletes out there that have a four foot vertical leap and, and there you yes. go. <laughs> 100%. I mean, parasailing is a thing y'all. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm going to not, this is a whole nother show. Um, but let's get back to um, you, Mike, because holy moly, um, this is incredible. So if we're talking about um, where you're at now, how many pilots do you have right now? And um, and when do you feel like you're going to be ready to get into like some full swing situation? What more What more things do you need to lay out before you are actually like working your magic in a real rotational way? Yeah. And so, you know, we're, I mean, with the way things are in the country right now, there's probably no top end at which we'll need to grow. Uh, the Illinois Department of Public Health estimates that in the next year, 20,000 people are going to come to Illinois for an abortion. And that's just Illinois. I can't imagine the other uh, Haven states. And so we're really just, we're going to keep adding pilots until pilots stop coming to us. Uh, but right now we have had over 670 pilots uh, express their interest. And for the um, for the sense of scale, on May 1st, we had myself, the other founder, and a third pilot so if you think in the last eight weeks, we've gone from three pilots to over 670 interested, uh, people really want to work on this, this issue. But like I said, we do have that vetting process that they have to go through. So there's some, some time that goes along with that. And we've fully vetted about 50 pilots right now. And we've had another uh, about 30 or so that have submitted their applications. As you can imagine, to do their application, they have to gather some materials. We have to send us photos of their pilot's license, the copies of their flight records, things like that, so we can be sure that they're, you know, the appropriately experienced pilot because we don't let somebody who just got their license go out and do this. And so there's a little bit of a lag in that, but you know, we have more than 30 states covered at this point with at least one pilot, and with all of those 670 that that expressed interest since. Um, well, in these last eight weeks, I know that we're going to cover every 50 states because I definitively remember seeing at least one from Alaska and one from Hawaii in that 670. So I know we're going to have pilots in every state very quickly. Well, let me ask you this question. Having said that, um, there's a couple of things. Um, I want to talk about uh, where you land as a small plant. You know, could you have like backlash from somebody who owns a small airfield who's anti-abortion when they get wind? And two, in states that are now having these weird bounty hunting laws, um, how does that affect a pilot who might want to take off from a state that is sort of in like a Texas or that has or, 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 uh, Oklahoma that has these things in place? So we have multiple things built into our process to help manage that. So first is that we don't actually ask the practical support organization why somebody is traveling. And we tell them that it can be somebody who's going for care. It could be one of their staff or volunteers just needs to get to a different location to do work on the ground. It could be a healthcare provider, any of those things. And so there are multiple possibilities, even though abortion or gender affirming care is going to be the most common ones. Uh, it means that you know we give the passenger and the pilot some protection of they don't know why they're being flown. And, and so you know, it's a little bit more private. But also at these airports, there is no ticketing. There is no TSA security. Um, at most I've ever gotten at an airport was somebody asking like if there if I needed any help or needed any guidance for where I needed to go. And nobody's asked me for why I was there, what my name was or anything like that. And so that, with the number of flights that are happening, I took actually a screenshot of 
what it looked like in the in the airspace of the whole country when we were doing our first flight a few weeks ago, our first official uh, passenger. And if you can imagine the, the a map of the United States covered by little tiny graphical airplanes, pretty much everything east of the Rockies was a little tiny airplane. And so there's no way that people are going to know that that's why somebody's traveling, just because there are so many airplanes that are out there. It's a really, really private and safe. And so, you know, there's that aspect to it. And since you also asked about, you know, private um, airport owners, most airports are owned by cities or counties. And so, you know, certainly a city or a county might, you know, ask questions, but again, there's no requirement that pilots say anything. We also don't keep track of who our passengers are uh, as pilots, like there's no requirement for that. Uh, so when an airplane is in the air, uh, nobody knows who is the pilot or who the passengers are. I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I'm getting a taste of how the elite live. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, it's very amazing. Uh, and also, by the way, if there's any elites, I doubt there are. But if you're listening to this podcast and you have a private plane, and you want to lend it out, you're like, how can I support from the Hamptons? Maybe send your plane out. Maybe do that. So I'm going to like just say rich people with planes, get, get on board. Yep. And actually, we've had a few people that have uh, business jet style aircraft uh, as pilots that have offered to help. And I have kind of put a little asterisk on them because when we get those requests from, say, Texas to Colorado, which is still even for, for the kind of plane that I fly is several hours you know, of flying for a business jet. It might just be a two or three hour flight. And so we're I'm going to make sure to keep special track of those people with those jets. So it's you're only half joking when you say that. <laughs> I don't think she's joking at all, actually. I actually, there's no humor there, uh, for sure. I think that was one of the most interesting things that I learned, Mike, or I should say, I guess, at Midwest Access Coalition learned was the just the number of these small municipal airports that are around that people can, for like, well, at no cost, like you said, this is this is set up with the FAA that it's a donated cost and everything. Um, so the ability to get to folks in really rural spaces is awesome. That redu can reduce the stress on someone who hasn't traveled by by um, air before and hasn't gone through an airport and navigated security and checkpoints and everything. It can really make travel easier for folks that are being targeted by racism and xenophobia and other types of, of laws here. So those, like, it just, it makes me so happy about that, the re reduction in confusion. Um, I know we talked a little bit about how you're being embraced by the pilot community also and everything, which is just really exciting. I did um, I did wonder, we talked a little bit about this too, about areas where, especially in supporting trans care, the opportunities to engage and activate queer pilots and pilots that like aren't the white dudes that many of us see and recognize as being those folks. And I'm wondering how that's going or how you see that direction going too. Sure. And, and don't get me wrong, the pilot community is still very much a white men's world, which is something I'd like to see change. Uh, but if you looked at our, our pilot roster, and this is going purely based off of names, which is, I will admit, is very presumptuous to make. Um, but we, And we just started, just recently started collecting pronouns on our pilot application form. I think that we have about 40% of our pilots are, are women. Um, we also have a number awesome. of people that are, number of people that are trans. We have people of a variety of, of ethnicities. Um, we may, our pilot volunteer list may be the most diverse set of pilots of any organization in the country or the world for that matter. Um, this is an example in the pilot population, women make up only about 7% of all pilots that have a, a license in the country. But it's also like we are 
we are constantly fielding questions from cis dudes. How can I help? What can I do? Like if you're a pilot and you're a cis dude and you're out there in the world, just piloting. Um, wow. This is something that could be super cool. So I think it's really great. So Mike, we have to wrap it up, but can you tell folks how pilots can sign up and go through the vetting process at Elevated Access and then how folks can support with donations at Elevated Access. Most definitely. So for pilots, they can go to elevatedaccess.org and there's a pilots page on there that describes all of our requirements and what our flights typically look like, as well as I just added an FAQ with some of the common questions and they'll just fill out our contact form to let us know that they're interested and they'll get then the application form after that. For people that want to support us financially, uh, elevatedaccess.org slash donate. And after uh, everybody asking how they can donate, you can donate on our web form. We've got Act Blue, we've got Tiltify for the gamers out there. Uh, pretty much any way that people have asked to donate, we've set it up. And so however people want to send us their money, go for it. Excellent. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. You can follow Elevated Access on Instagram at ElevatedAXS and on TikTok at Elevated Access. If you are a pilot or know a pilot who can volunteer, then go to elevatedaccess.org to sign up. Okay, let's shift to our favorite podcast party game, Six Degrees of Abortion. All right, here's how it works. Maria and I pick a big story of the week that seemingly has nothing to do with abortion. And Liz has one, two, three, four, five, six tries to make the connection. All right. I'm cracking my neck. All I'm right. Getting so ready. Let's I'm going to tell the story and then Marie's going to give her caveats. <laughs> caveats. This is bullshit. You yeah. Know. Yeah. I know. The caveats right. are always bullshit. That's the fun part for us. Okay. So this week, Marie and I, in our investigations, um, saw that Florida our 50th favorite state, there has been sightings of a giant African snail that is a, um, what is the word for those? Uh, not insidious. Invasive. Um, invasive species. It's huge. It's huge. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's a snail. And it basically like lays a bunch of eggs and eats like a million different kinds of uh, foliage, which is what they have in Florida, the Australia of America. And um, <laughs> and they're like, it's quarantining wherever this uh, snail was. So we would like you to link snails to abortion, but with caveats. Because we know that there's an easy walk to the snails and we don't want you to have that. You can't use, you cannot use Florida and you cannot use me because I have snails. And also you watched this month. I will also say too, but they're called African snails. They're not from Africa. It's like literally U.S. invasive species racist. (laughs) They're from like Polynesia. If people look back into like, it's yeah. And they're not, they're not good snails. Like they do eat everything and they literally carry, everything. They can carry meningitis in their mucus. Like they're not good pets. Um, but yes, yeah, snails. If they were good pets, Marie would have one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. AAF would have bought me one. I've been like, Hey guys, you know what I want with that? With all that sweet podcast money. I want a snail. With that Winston money. <laughs> you guys are so weak. Like, I can't even, I, I'm really just, um, because you had to give me all these caveats, which by the way, you pick snails. You should have thought of Marie, but whatevs. Uh, I am about to just destroy you anyway. So 
which just so happens that one of my dear friends in the world who also lives in Minnesota is a chef named Andrew Zimmern. And Andrew Zimmern has one of the best snail escargot recipes ever that you can find it on Instagram. It's delicious. I'm sorry, Marie. I didn't eat your pets. You're lucky. Um, so there, and Andrew Zimmern has been a donor and also, um, a supporter of abortion access front. So there you have it. (laughs) Boom. So easy. So annoyed with your childish behavior. That's good. That is so good. Solid. That is a solid. This man is probably like a James Beard winner. Also, we got to eat those snails soon, Marie. No, no. Moji, if you like some snails, I I have a really good. Just I mean, buttery. apparently these African snails are terrible to eat, but uh, if no, we're in like Minnesota, the apple. Yeah. yeah, they're no, they're not, huge. They're like the size of your hand. It's really you know, I don't want like, that's all it, gross. <laughs> that is a mess. So the good news is I win, despite the fact that you put up <laughs> ugly ass road. You guys are like the fucking Supreme Court, and you're like crap laws to me to get to be great putting up all kinds of barriers. <laughs> you just cannot give me any joy. Let's just move on from this because I am massively annoyed. So before we get to blabbing with busy Phillips, uh, Moji and Marie are going to tell you about our new sponsor. Thanks, Liz. Yep. We couldn't bring you today's episode of FBK without our wonderful fake sponsor, Horganizer, the first daily ordeal delivery service. We have had to comb through so much bullshit for this podcast. Sometimes it's hard to remember who's calling us a useless slut and who's telling us to make them sandwiches. It's so nice to get all the patriarchal oppression delivered right into my inbox. That's why I subscribe to Horganizer. Same here. Last week, instead of spending four hours on Twitter, I opened up my organizer inbox and bam, all the comments calling me a baby killer or a skank, skanky baby killer, all in one place. How convenient. When I opened up my organizer inbox this week, it was a handy alphabetized list of incels and anti-abortion enthusiasts and their different plans to punish abortion advocates and anyone who won't sleep with them. Thanks, Horganizer. Sign up for Horganizer today with promo code BuzzkillWhore and get 50% off your ability to function in this society as anyone but a cishet white man. If it's going to happen anyway, it might as well be in one place. (laughs) Wow. That is a product for people who haven't figured out you can just block people or people who are just like, I need to feel all of the hate thrown at me and I need it all at once. Thanks. Organizers. <laughs> that is an amazing product. I'm glad that both of you had so much joy with it. <laughs> we have the best sponsors. We do have the best sponsors uh, with the worst products that six people would want. But you know, there is that one person who was like, that's a great idea. Or is that real organizer? Mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson uh, was like, I'm all set. That's right. And uh, for those of you who are patrons of the podcast, um, you get to see the uh, designed packaging of this um, and the organizer ad. So, you know, our, one of our little extra bonuses is the, uh, the actual design of the organizer. So you can like figure it out and do it. Um, so let's get to our fantastic 
part two of our guests. Coming up is the second half of the amazing conversation we had with Busy Phillips last week that was so rich. We had to break it up into two because you just can't handle that much goodness in one sitting. So let's get back to it with actor, author, and abortion advocate, Busy Phillips. You're creating paths and avenues for folks and showing folks by example that, hey, there's an option. There's an opportunity to tell your story if you'd like through different avenues and to be able to have some authenticity. Well, I think it's so important because, well, actually for me, it's everything, right? But how we choose to tell our stories, sometimes it doesn't fit in 140 characters. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes there's not an appropriate hashtag. Sometimes that's not a thing that sits well with people. And, you know, I think that like our industry, the entertainment industry has a great deal of responsibility in the situation we're currently in because I think we fucking dropped the ball. I think the creatives at the behest of like scared studio heads and network heads like decided long ago, like we're just going to go middle of the road and like not ruffle any feathers and like, you know, keep two and a half men on the air for the 400 (laughs) years and like, just keep telling, reiterating bad stories with stereotypical characters, um, you know, stereotyping, uh, gender and ethnicity and race. And, and that's, what's palatable for the American public. And it's not like people want better. They want more, they want more nuance, but I think social media is a lot. I, I think it is, it can be an equalizer in sharing stories. And yeah. And I think that it's important to say, like, you don't have to share your story if you don't want to. <laughs> you just don't. One thousand percent. Yeah. And I think, Busy, one thing that is you're so complete. And I think that's what people sometimes they're most afraid to tell their abortion story because they think their abortion story is going to dominate the who they are. And instead of having it be for me, it's a part of who I am that helped me become who I am. And no one thing should ever define you. So I would love for you to talk to somebody who maybe is thinking about telling their abortion story, but might be afraid of what they'll feel in the space they would tell it if it's on social media, like how to handle the haters, how to be, you know, there and stand in your truth, really. Well, first of all, I want to say a thing that I don't know who first said it. I remember my ex-ish husband, Mark said it to me, or we had this conversation once. Um, but I don't know if he made it up or if he heard it somewhere. I'm only saying that because I'm a real credit bitch and I don't want to like say a thing and then have you be like, yeah, that's from very famed internet philosopher. Blah, blah, and I'm like, I don't. <laughs> the thing about getting the hatred or any sort of attacks online is that it is steam off of a kettle. It just doesn't really exist. And you take the kettle <laughs> off the stove and it really doesn't exist. And so you're the you're the kettle, right? And like you just don't look. Right. You don't have to see people say and I think and this is a tricky thing because I think accountability is necessary and especially in social media. And like I fucked up before on social media, not about abortion stuff, but like what I mean, I like a like a like a body shaming thing that I didn't like realize had implications. And I, you know, and I do, I look through the, and I read some comments and I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. That was not my intention. I fully own that. Like I didn't, wasn't aware. The thing that we just saw Lizzo do with the lyric, you know, like you listen, you have to take a second look, you acknowledge whether or not it's your intention doesn't matter. And then you like, 
rectify the situation, you know? But in terms of your own abortion story, you know, these trolls are like, I'm always like, it's the same person. Like, it's like the same, like, two people. With me, at least. I think it is. You know, the syntax is always the same. It's always burner accounts. Like, Yeah, it feels like bots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, my friend Sarah, who's um, this really incredible yoga fitness teacher in South Carolina that I met when I was down there doing vice principles and we've become good friends. And she lives in Charleston, South Carolina and like has, you know, and, and she's devoutly Christian and, and she posted a really beautiful abortion story about her journey with infertility and about having their first baby be born and live less than 24 hours because very rare genetic thing Mm. that wasn't spotted and her not knowing if she could ever go through that again. And her very kind doctor, I know I'm going to cry because I love her and her kids and so much. Um, And her very kind doctor said, I promise you, you will not go through this again. I won't let you. We now know we need to test for this thing. We're going to, and then we'll take care of it. And they did, they had, they did. Mm -hmm. Wow. And and she was devastated by having to have a, an abortion because they, they were, she was dying to be a mother, but that was her abortion story. And then she had, and then she had a miscarriage that, you know, needed DNC, like needed to have a partial mm-hmm. abortion after. And, um, and now she has three beautiful, beautiful kids that are joys and lights of her and her husband's life and a joy to everyone around her at her church and in her community. And I was so unbelievable. I'm like always so proud of anyone that shares their story, but especially someone who's a small business owner in a small Southern town. I thought it was so incredibly powerful. Um, And I think she reached a point too, where she was just like, I can't be silent anymore. This isn't, this isn't okay. What's going to happen to women and people like me aren't, I'm not going to, I wouldn't become a mother. Right. Right. Or endure just a whole lot more pain right on the journey. It's like, can you imagine? And I think this is what people don't think about when they really think about the fullness of abortion care that like, it is very easily a part of a fertility journey also. Yeah. Um, It's part of just your heart. Yes. And I think that like, it's, It's those, it's all of our stories that somebody listening can hear themselves because it, there's no one same abortion story, right? There's no one experience and journey. And so when you tell your story, there's always going to be somebody who's maybe heard a dozen other abortion stories and then yours came and it gave them peace, insight, connection. It's just one of the reasons busy that I really value what you do. And I value us getting to know each other more um, because you are constantly reassessing and looking to see all of the ways things need to be uplifted and where they should be. And like you come fucking careening out of nowhere being like this dope abortion, but like, you're just like always on it and present with every space in it's seemingly a way that is like, just right for the moment. So I want to thank you so much for that because it really means a lot, especially being buried in this work every day like we are, to have your light just in it and in a way that's like, 
fierce and ragey and funny and touching and like all the things. Right. And so you just came on and just made us feel a whole lot better. And I cannot thank oh you. Oh my God, Liz. I can't thank you enough yeah. because it does, it gets, wow, really <laughs> overwhelming and hard, you know? And I think that when I was in like when I went to do South by Southwest for Girls 5 Eva, I reached out to Whole Women's Health and I reached out to my friends at ACLU and I was like, well, what can I do with the trans community? And is there anything I can do uh, with the clinics there? Is there any way I can like show up while I'm there doing this other thing for my job? And I did. Yeah, like I, I was a tour to do a few things. Yeah, yeah. that was great. The, the tour yes. was beautiful. Thanks. I mean, I feel like feel like all this stuff, and you know, I really obviously just take all my ideas. I just rip it. I'm ripping everything off from you, Liz. Um, but just destigmatizing even just offices. Yeah. yeah. The other side has just been so laser focused on the narrative, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know, I have noticed even in the last, I want to say like almost year, almost year. I have noticed that every time I post about abortion, the trolls have gotten less and less. Mm -hmm. The people like, and it's not because I'm blocking. It's because I think that they're going back. They're re either reassessing or they're realizing like they're not in the majority a and their ways of communicating, you know, and saying like, you're going to hell, baby murder or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, are, it's not working anymore. No. That's why they're trying all these other tactics. Yeah. Because we're losing. Well, and it's just going to be, it's just such a maddening situation to be in when they have so much voice and they are not the majority and the way that our political system is set up with gerrymandering and everything. And just the way that mm -hmm. um, our media has recoiled in responsible conversations around abortion and birth control and, and all of it always, you know, we have to beg like it's voices like yours and voices that have been in social media that have been changing the landscape of how we talk about abortion. It hasn't been reporters. It hasn't been other things, you know, it's politicians been, hasn't been politicians. No, it's been no. culture change. Mm -hmm. But that's the, but that's the whole thing, Liz. And like at, from your origins and your root, like, uh, you know, this, like, uh, I think, what was it? Jimmy, it's Jimmy, oh my God, you guys, Kimmel, who does the uh, Norman Lear, like they redo the Norman Lear yeah. shows, right? Like you look at those shows and at the and people are like, oh, they were like breaking things down and it was amazing. And it's like, guys, that was legit 50 years ago. Yes. Like I wasn't <laughs> born yet. You know what I mean? Like the last time something like really changed the social narrative culturally via television was like will and grace. And I was in high school. Yeah. I mean, Carrie, I'm like, Carrie Washington having that abortion on scandal was rad. It was I rad, guess, you know? but I gotta be honest. It was kind of stigmatizing. She was okay, in so a I big, the league light. Okay. So no. So this is the part where it's, and this is the this is the conversation that I think we need to have more, right? Our whole podcast might just be busy. I don't know. It's very <laughs> but like so on scandal, she's got a surgery 
bonnet on. She's got Klieg lights. It looks like she's in an ER. She's the she's having an affair with the president and she's at a fucking Planned Parenthood. Never happening. But like, but the thing you know, that guys, even my parents who couldn't afford it paid for like a private abortion. Yeah, yeah. I mean? Even private abortions yeah. are in an, they're not in a fucking, uh, you know, medical no, setting like no. that. And so I think the trick about portraying abortion on television is that for those of us who've had abortions, the actual procedure itself is Dullsville and five minutes and you're and, and you're and you're sort of out of it. And so it's always the surroundings before h- how you get there. What is your journey to get your abortion? What happens after your abortion and how that makes you who you are and all that stuff. That's to me where it's interesting. So whenever they try to portray it, it's always like a thing. Who you did it really great was um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She had a medication oh, okay. abortion in bed and she just took the medication abortion and she's like screaming downstairs like somebody bring me food because i don't know when it's dropping like it was so funny and smart and then you know she kind of had a touching moment about it but like are my comfy pants comfy enough like really really just great that's great great stuff so you know it's kind of like that kind of thing is great but now um yeah so i feel like it was it was uh great for her to have that abortion but i just also think too like we don't want it to feel like it's some kind of surgery you're having because it's called a procedure for a reason because right. it's not surgery. That's just like, and I think, but I do think it all goes together, right? Like talking about our periods and endometriosis, um, you know, PMDD, like severe cramping, yeah. blood clot. Yep. Like my child, Bertie talks so much about their period now. I mean, I have like really done a number on this kid, (laughs) but like, I think it's really important. And part of it, I'm going to tell you one more story and then I'll let you guys go. This is why my podcast is three hours. When Bertie got, Bertie got their period, their, their period in lockdown. That was the first period. And I was so bummed because I had this giant uterus pinata that (gasps) I was saving. And I was like, gonna throw a party and like do a whole thing. Cause part of the thing, and I write about it in my book, we didn't even talk, I didn't even tell my mom I had my period. Like, you didn't talk about your body. You didn't talk about your vagina. I would like, I made a conscious effort decision when I had kids. Bathroom door is open. I'm like, Oh, those are tampons. Oh, you see those? Those are tampons. Oh, no. Then I switched to a cup. Um, But anyway, like, so Bertie gets their period. I was like, oh, so. Ah. I was just like talking to Bertie about it, talking, talking, talking. And then the next month, I don't know, had it again and talking to Bertie. And Bertie was like, Ma, and asking like, so did so-and-so get their period yet? Do you know? You're on Zoom. Like, and Bertie's like, mom. It's not like when you were a kid, okay? People don't really talk about their periods. And I was like, wait, what? And Bertie was like, obviously, it was like cool when you were a teenager to talk about your period all the time with your friends. But like, that's not how it is now. And then I was like, oh, no, Bertie, you have no contact. And then I explained to them, it was like, Bertie, I'm doing this on purpose because people don't talk about this. And women Mm -hmm. specifically, but like... Boys are always talking about their boners and their wet yes. dreams. I was like, do you know what? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. so Bertie's like 12 at the time. I'm like, do you know what a wet dream is? And Bertie's like, yeah, of course. I've known about that for years. I'm like, <sighs> that's why I'm asking you all these questions and getting you to talk about it. And I hope you do talk to your friends about it because there are things that happen that like you should talk to your friends. Like, is this a normal thing? 
Yeah. Or you can always come to me or you can go to the school nurse or whatever. But like, you should always be aware of what your body feels like. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of this like success of this other side in like (laughs) making this seem like we're just like magical creatures that, you know, we can't discuss. It's like shameful to discuss our bodies. And yet erectile dysfunction ads play every literally everywhere. Yeah. Busy. I do love that you went so far left, your child went right. <laughs> your child was like, tone it down. <laughs> yeah. I know, but like, but can I tell you something? But now, Birdie literally in middle school talks about their period in class, raises their hand. They're like, I need to go get a tampon. I'm not wearing my period underwear. Like, is out in the world bleeding and letting people know <laughs> bleeding. Well, like one of the boys said something about it and Bernie was like, dude, it's just my body. Get over it. That's it, man. And Mm -hmm. that's like the whole thing. Yeah. That is so great. I, that's a great story that that's a great story to end on. It's just my body. Deal with it. I think that like cis men simply can't wrap their head around and are terrified that we can bleed for seven days and not die. (laughs) <laughs> I, think, I think that they are very freaked out that we can literally do that because they don't even understand what it is that's happening. So they're like, how are you not dead? This without with this blood shedding. Are you a witch? Are you an, what are you, a monster? You know, I just feel like we can't win. I think it's yeah, no, but I also think it's like the job right now. It's like the I'm sick of the, the thing of like. It's the last dying grasp. No, they're making new ones, guys. They're making lots of new ones. And so it's the job of every parent who has, you know, the realization of the direction that this place is going. And like, even if you don't, every parent of a boy, like needs to be aware of what the conversations are and what the kids are like, what their boys are saying. And, and like, you have to, I'm sorry, but like, you just got to do better. Like you have to tell them, I don't know. You just got to like get into it. Yeah. As a boy, mom, I'm going to take that personally busy as a directive from busy to me to parent my my six year old. Oh my God. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to say is like, it happens earlier, younger than you think it does. Mm -hmm. The, my friends who have boys who are a little bit older, like, I mean, at like 12, 13, I was like, so you're talking about porn. You got to be, you're talking about porn with them. You're talking about these things. We have no choice. Like we have to do this because this is how, and we have to empower them to stand up when it's just the boys around Mm -hmm. and say, and like, be like, actually guys, I mean, let's be real. You know, whatever it is. I don't know. No, I think that's totally all right. Busy, thank you for joining us. And we would like to tell everyone to follow Busy at Busy Phillips on all the socials. Watch Girls Five Eva on Peacock. Listen, it's worth it. Listen to Billy and Casey on their podcast. Busy Phillips is doing her best wherever you pod. And just join her in the abortion fight with us, without us, with her. We are going to be doing that together. And um Busy, thank you so much. And we will be uh, talking soon because we're going to go out and have wine like proper ladies. We have to have wine 
and we have to, oh, wait, before I go, can I ask your, your guys' um, professional opinions as yes. people in this work, deeply in this work? Mm-hmm. Do we think about the possibility of the synagogues suing and for religious um, I think like it's brilliant. Infringement? I Me think I'm really excited and very proud of the temples and synagogues in Florida. And I really think that like, it is incredible. I mean, I think that, yeah, we have to be doing that. You know, it's like, it's like we were talking about earlier in the show when we hear the sounding of the alarm and, you know, one of the cases that went down today, as we talked about, you know, um, was ending Miranda rights and it was Samuel Samuel Alito's opinion. And he said, in the opinion, um, it's not in the constitution, which is why you are not allowed it. So, you know, foreshadowing, but also what is in the constitution is your freedom to practice religion. And so let's just be clear. Um, if you're going to say that we live in a Christian nation, we need to make the, if we're, we need to make the Supreme court say that right, or not say that, right. Mm-hmm. Because if they say that, that is something that everybody profoundly needs to hear and, and then move accordingly, move, I mean, move, move, not move away, but like move with action accordingly. And if they rule against it and say, then let's go, then, then our freedoms are, are going to really be honored. So um, that's, that's where I'm at with that. I think, I mean, it's the first thing in a long time, the first action in a long time that's given me a bit of hope. Yeah. You know, and I'm excited too because you know we're doing Operation Save Abortion, which the kickoff is um, July 17th, and that's going to be really exciting too. You know, we have almost a thousand house parties signed up across the country, and so to be able to have people immerse in a way that they never have been given the opportunity to learn about all the different ways of activism, and then to be able to hook them up locally with things that speak to them, so they will have sustained activism, gives me Mm -hmm. a lot of hope and makes me feel really excited that we can actually say to people, whatever your capacity, whatever you think you can bring, we are going to help you realize that so Mm -hmm. that you are going to be there. And I think that that is, um, Super exciting. So, you know, we'll all, we're all going to be involved and it's all going to be great. And Busy Phillips, we're going to be seeing you soon. And thank you for everything you do. You're amazing. Oh, thank you for everything you do. It's it's beyond. Don't make us cry. Really no is. crying. There's no, no crying. No, it really is. We don't cry on it really these is. days. Liz, you, Liz you, know, you know you're an icon. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I am. I just keep living. I keep waking up every day and living, which is, you know, enough revenge for those assholes that keeps me going. I'm busy, Phillips. You are the best. Thanks, Liz. How are you? <laughs> Thank Bye. you. Bye, Monty. So good to see you guys. Bye. Thanks, Busy. We love you. Follow Busy Phillips on all the socials at Busy Phillips. Watch Girls 5 Eva and listen to her pod. Busy Phillips is doing her best. And maybe send her some bail money. Because she got arrested yesterday. God bless her. And that is that. Wow. What a show. Yes. Again, thanks, Busy and Mike from Elevated Access. You can follow Elevated Access on Instagram at ElevatedAXS and on TikTok at Elevated Access. If you are a pilot or know a pilot who wants to volunteer, go to ElevatedAccess.org. Thanks so much for listening. We are here for you as you navigate these dark days. We want to be a reliable info hub and a source of humor as we face some really hard times ahead. 
We are in this together. We got you. Help us grow. Subscribe, write a review, give us five stars. It's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you're helping more people learn about this assault on abortion access. To keep up on all the latest free pro news, follow us on social at Abortion Front on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Shout out to the team. FBK Live is edited by Remy de Tournay and is a production of Abortion Access Front. And boo, 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 activism alert! New York City, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Sounds good so far. Moji and I <laughs> are joining a New York City for abortion rights event that's going to be awesome at Old St. Patrick's Church on Prince and Mott in Manhattan. This church is leading a six-block march to harass patients at the Planned Parenthood down the street, and we want to get enough bodies down there to dance and slow their walk so we can prevent them from ever making it to the Planned Parenthood during procedures. So it's tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., Old St. Patrick's Church. All the info is in the show notes. And save the date, July 17th. We're talking about it constantly. Because with all the panicking about what to do now, we've got to have a sustained plan to protect abortion access. And AA Front is bringing it with Operation Save Abortion, your Protect Abortion Access Training Day. Operation Save Abortion, it's not a march. It's your training day. Sign up, get a house party going, register at operationsaveabortion.com. Next week, we are talking to the hilarious Millie Tamaras, comedian and co-host of the Betcha Up podcast. And we'll be joined by Renee Bracey Sherman, founder and executive director of We Testify, about what's next in the post-row world and how to keep having hope. And as a reminder, for the most up-to-date resource to find an abortion provider, visit INeedNA.org. And lastly, three places you should support. One, the work Marie is doing every day at Midwest Access Coalition, helping patients with the logistical barriers to receiving care. Donate at midwestaccesscoalition.org. The work of Abortion Access Front, that's us, raising awareness and helping providers and advocates with support to help them do their work. Donate at aafront.org slash donate. And join our Patreon. You'll support great content and get cool FBK merch and experiences. All pledges support this pod and all of our activism at Abortion Access Front. Pledge at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. And we close out with a woman who shows her entire ass by reminding us that if we're going to be leg spreading landfills, we deserve what we get. That I clearly don't trust women enough to make choices to control their own body. And my response is I do trust women enough to control when they allow a man to ejaculate. So inside of them and to control that intake of semen. So that may be inflammatory, but I think as a legislature, we have the responsibility to create a legal framework that is friendly and supporting rights. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. If you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills.